Well, good evening. You know, I don't like to give announcements before I preach. I believe that we have uh, announcements at a certain place for a reason. I don't like to call out certain individuals, because I don't believe that that's right either necessarily. But you are among royalty tonight. Do you know that? One of your elders was voted as having the most aesthetically pleasing beard during No Shave November. Larry Bell? Now, obviously, Barry Williams was not in this contest, nor was Blake Dozier, who can grow a beard overnight. But among the contestants, his was the best, and I'm a little jealous that you got an award and I didn't, but congratulations. Um, we all got you a gift that you'll receive at a later date. Glad you're here tonight. Uh, you know, Sunday nights, a lot of times for me, I try to approach some topics that... Uh, you know, maybe we would deem as kind of difficult topics to look into and investigate. Uh, there are some things in the realm of Christendom and in the religious world as a whole that sometimes we get confused about. Or, you know, we've, we've talked about some of the elephants in the church uh, through the years on Sunday nights. And, and, and I think it's good to approach these things because if the church isn't going to talk about them, then who is? If we're only going to take our our dictates from the world around us, whether it be the religious world or secular world, and we're not going to talk about them, then I think that leads to more problems. And so tonight, I, I want to give this disclaimer. What we're going to talk about tonight in no way is meant to be bashing. Uh, I don't believe in that. I don't think there's any good that comes from that, bashing other churches from the pulpit. What we're going to talk about tonight does not come from a heart that seeks to be condescending or demeaning. I just simply want to talk about something that... Um, that I think is important for us to understand, and that is when we talk about being non-denominational. What does that mean? You know, I, I think when we look at the variety of churches in our culture, especially in the Bible Belt, you know, we can approach it from a sense of logic and reason before we ever go to the Bible. Does it make sense from a logical, reasonable standpoint that you can drive down just about any street in Abilene or just about any city in the Bible Belt and you will find church after church, maybe even on the same street or the same block, teaching different doctrines, competing doctrines, and that's what God intended? Is that what Jesus intended? Do you think that's what Jesus meant when he said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church? Whether we like it or not, whether it sounds intolerant or spiritually bigoted, whatever the phrase, can we all be right? Can we all take just any approach that we want, teach different doctrines, but as long as we all believe in Jesus, we're all okay? Is that what God intended? I think we need to talk about that. I think we need to talk about it more. Unfortunately, we just avoid it at all costs because... We don't really want the backlash that might come with that. And the worst thing you can be in our culture today is intolerant or exclusive, right? How many of you, like me, have ever been asked, so what denomination are you? And you probably just respond by saying Church of Christ. You were raised to believe that you are not a denomination, that you are non-denominational, but that's a little much to get into in casual conversation, isn't it? Especially with someone who doesn't know the difference. 
But when we talk about what it means to be non-denominational, what is it that we're really talking about? Because it can get very confusing, especially if you're somebody who's on the outside looking in. Because there are all kinds of events that happen, spiritual events that happen even in our community where they say, well, it's going to be a non-denominational event. And what they really mean is it's an interdenominational event. So they're not properly defining the term. What they mean is we're not going to cater to any one denomination. We're going to be a hodgepodge of a bunch of different denominations, right? And so sometimes it's hard to kind of extrapolate a meaning here. What does non-denominational mean? What, what does all this mean for those of us in the religious world who just want to be true to God's word? You know, it's kind of like the newspaper section um, when I was living in Batesville, Arkansas. I think I've told you this before, but they had a section in the Batesville newspaper that said, attend the church of your choice, and it listed all the options there. And I thought, you know, the people who wrote that headline haven't really thought that through. Because I don't even know if they would buy into what they, they say if they thought it through. What about attending the church of my choice? What if that meant attending a church where Jesus wasn't considered deity? What if attending the church of my choice meant attending a church where they don't hold the Bible as the authoritative word of God? What if attending the church of my choice was the church of Satan? So I don't think they even buy that logic. And, and what I'm saying is that before we ever turn to Scripture, we can exercise logic and reason here to hopefully reach a conclusion that this is not what God intended. This religious branding, this 31 flavors kind of thing, where you just attend the church of your choice, the one that caters to your preferences and and your ideals and your agenda. I don't believe that's what God intended. Let me read a prayer to you. This prayer is found in John chapter 17. Starting in verse 20, it reads, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you have loved me. I don't know how anyone can read those words and believe that Jesus was a supporter of religious diversity. What is Jesus praying for here? He is praying for oneness. That we might all be one. You know, Paul reiterated this prayer as he talked about unity over and over again. In fact, that was his major theme in his writings. He said in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Why was unity so important in the first church? Because how are you going to share the gospel message if you are in disharmony? How are you going to accomplish the mission of the church if you're not all on the same page? Here's what else Paul said. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. One body? How many bodies do we see today? One baptism? How many different baptisms do you see taught and preached in various churches today, right? We are not one. What you see in the world today is not what Jesus prayed for. It's not what Paul was striving for. You see, I say all this to encourage us, not to discourage I think it's important that we talk about this because too many in the religious world refuse to do so. Because we don't really want to take the time and effort and energy to cut through all of the, of the muddiness and try to clear up the waters, or maybe it's because we don't know any better. I mean, for whatever reason, we just kind of land on, you know what, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe in something. We reach the conclusion that, you know, just believe in Jesus. That's really all that matters. And folks, I get it. I understand that that's a much more democratic way of thinking and living. I understand that that sounds so much better, right? And I don't want to be the arbiter of who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. That's above my pay raise. But when we look at what Scripture teaches versus what the world is teaching, we see two very different teachings. We can't get around the fact that Jesus established one church. I want to be a part of that church, don't you? And you've heard me say it over and over again. I love what we're doing at Oldham Lane because I believe we're striving to be righteous and holy and we're striving to model ourselves after the apostolic example of what we see in the New Testament. But if there's somewhere doing it more right tomorrow, I'll be there. And you can go with me if you want. But if we ever take out the Bible as our authority and letting that be our guide, I'm out of here. And you should be too, right? That's called dismounting a dead horse. And we need to be willing to do that sometimes, right? Because what we see taught by the world around us is something very different than what Jesus prayed for and what Paul taught or what we read about in the New Testament. So all that being said... What does it mean to be non-denominational? And folks, make no mistake, the quote-unquote church of Christ can be denominational. In fact, it is in many places. So what are we talking about when we talk about being non-denominational? Well, first and foremost, it means that there is truth and I must seek it. John 8, 32, Jesus told the Jews who had believed in him that if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is giving the definition of a disciple. And a disciple, like we talked about this morning, is one who strives to be like his teacher in every way. In the first century, it meant trying to be exactly like your teacher, to imitate them in every single way. So if we want to know who Jesus is, we strive to be like him in every way. And if you're striving to be like Jesus in every way, then you're certainly going to know something about truth. The freedom that Jesus is talking about here is not a license to do whatever we want to do. Obviously, that's not what he means. Real freedom is is when one wishes to do right and does right. When we talk about being non-denominational, we're talking about seeking Jesus and the truth that he has laid out for us. 
And if a church isn't doing that, then quite frankly, they're not operating in a biblical sense. If we're not striving to be the church that Jesus set up, then what are we doing? What is our goal? What is our mission, right? If we're purposely avoiding certain teachings because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and we don't want to drive anyone away, are we being like Jesus? In John chapter 6, Jesus spoke a hard truth and it drove the masses away. And yet he didn't track them down and say, hey, come back, we can compromise here, we can work this out. Instead, what he did is he turned to his disciples and said, you can go too. Truth is hard for some people. It's difficult. But you don't love anybody if you're willing to avoid the truth and allow them to go to hell. That's not love. You love someone enough to tell them the truth. And I admit this is hard. And we can become denominational very easily if we let our own philosophies, our own agendas drive the ship. Many churches today were once non-denominational but have since become denominational because rather than following God's plan for the church, they follow their own wishes, their own desires, their own preferences. But as I've said before, the question becomes, if we're not seeking Jesus according to his will, are we, are we really seeking him at all? You know, denomination is simply defined as a part of the whole. And, you know, going all the way back to the Protestant Reformation or even before, people had their own ideas about God and what they wanted out of church. Even some of the more prominent religious leaders were people who were very sincere and who had a sincere mission or sincere purpose. But you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And I say that because I think so many times we want that to be the prerequisite. We want that to cancel out everything else. Well, I'm sincere. Paul was sincere. Paul felt that he was doing God's work by persecuting Christians. Go back and read Deuteronomy sometime. Deuteronomy 17. Paul thought he was doing the right thing, but he was sincerely wrong. So sincerity is not the only requirement. It's important but it's not the be-all, end-all. I can take arsenic for an illness and be sincere in thinking it will cure my illness and die from it. Doesn't matter how much I thought it would help me, I was wrong. So the first thing when we talk about being non-denominational, what we're talking about is knowing that there is truth and we must seek that truth. Secondly, I would say this. Being non-denominational means that I believe that God established a church and therefore I seek to be a part of that church. Ephesians 4, 4, Paul writes, There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That should really kind of dismiss any further discussion when it comes to this idea about you know, can we have several different flavors of the same thing? One Lord, one faith, one body, one baptism, one God and Father who is overall. If there is one God and Father, then we seek to do what he would have us to do, right? Doesn't matter what my mama taught me, doesn't matter what my dad taught me, doesn't matter what the preacher says, doesn't matter what some college professor tells me, I do what God would have me to do. I seek to live out his will and follow his script because that's what's most important, right? The goal of every Christian should be 
to be a New Testament Christian in the New Testament church. I have people come to me quite often who come from different religious backgrounds, and they'll say to me, so what do I need to do to be a member of Oldham Lane Church of Christ? And I said, you don't do anything to be a member of Oldham Lane Church of Christ. This isn't about being a member at Oldham Lane Church of Christ. This isn't even about being a member of a church that has a building and a name on the front that says Church of Christ. This is about being a New Testament Christian in the New Testament church. That's where we start. What does that look like? What does that mean for me? Because if I am a New Testament Christian, I will be added by God to the New Testament church. You don't have to be baptized to be a member here. That's not how this works, right? God adds you to his church. When you become immersed in the waters of baptism, rise a new creature in Christ. So this is about what it means to be a New Testament Christian in the New Testament church. God established a church. Jesus died for a church. He built a church. So the all-important question is, am I a part of that church? And folks, i got to tell you, that's what rattled my cage many years ago. I didn't grow up in this environment. And what really rocked me to the core is studying the Bible and realizing I cannot find my church in there. And that's a problem. And you can call that intolerant or too exclusive or too narrow-minded or whatever, but I couldn't find my church in the Bible, and that's a problem. I couldn't find my designation in the Bible. That's a problem. Now, I had an option at that point. I had a couple options. I could stay where I was at, knowing that my church wasn't in there, knowing that a lot of the practices that I, was, uh, that I believed in and that I adhered to were not in there. I could stay there and just say, this is the way it is, this is the way my mama raised me, whatever. Or I could make the difficult decision of leaving and seeking truth somewhere else. And you know, because I've told you before, that caused a lot of consternation in my family. You would think your mama would be proud of you being a preacher in the Lord's church, but she wasn't. Some would say this. Chris, we're too far gone. I I mean, how do we get there? My dad and I were driving around uh, during Thanksgiving. You know, we we sometimes go around, look look at wildlife and stuff like that, and we're driving around. He said, so who started the Church of Christ? You know, that was the question. And, you know... A lot of people have questions like that, and a lot of people assume that you could never get back to the original even if you wanted to. You're going back to somebody who started something, but you can't go back to the original. How could you ever be non-denominational anyway? We're too far gone from that, right? Not so fast. I don't know of any church in the realm of Christendom And what I mean by that is churches that believe that Jesus is the focal point. I don't know of any church in the realm of Christendom. I don't know of any denomination in the realm of Christendom that doesn't believe that you have to be a Christian before you can be a part of their church. So they are admitting that you can be simply a Christian before you're ever affiliated with any denomination. Now, set aside for the fact that how you become a Christian is not always in line with the Bible, and that term Christian can be used very loosely, right? So let's not, don't hold me to that, but hopefully you see the point. I don't know of any 
religious denomination that believes that you can be a member of a church before you're a quote-unquote Christian. As far as I know, all of them believe that you have to do something to be considered a Christian first and then a part of their church. So by their very nature, they're admitting that you can just be a Christian, at least at some point, apart from any religious affiliation. We can get back to being non-denominational. In fact, every church should make that their goal. Every church. Every church should be striving to be non-denominational in the way that they function in their nature. You can get back to the original, but it's going to take some doing. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take some courage to dispel of the traditions of men and man-made doctrines, because there is a lot of them. Even in churches of Christ. There is courage, at least there should be, to search for and stand for truth. And there should be courage to leave if necessary. Even if that means separating from family and friends. Here's the, th the deal that, again, like I said, rock me to the core. Why would I want to be a part of a church that's not in the Bible? Why would I want to be a part of a church that doesn't follow the blueprint? Why would I want to be part of a church that is not functioning the way the designer intended? I don't want to be a contributor to division. Do you? If God wants unity, if Jesus prayed for oneness, if Paul wanted unity, I want to give them what they, what they wanted. If that's what the Holy Spirit wants, that's what I want to contribute to. If that's what our Lord wants, I want to give Him what He wants. And folks, listen to me. Here's something else that cannot be refuted. Every saved person at Jerusalem that you read about in the book of Acts, every saved person at Jerusalem was a member of a church. One church. The church. If you were to get into a time machine and go back to the first century, to that day of Pentecost, and you were to approach Peter, who's maybe sitting under a tree, exhausted from baptizing. Maybe he didn't baptize all 3,000 of them, but you get the idea. Maybe he's sitting there, he's exhausted from preaching and baptizing, and you walk up to him and you say, Peter, I'm a big fan. I'm from the future. I've read your writings. I've read you know, the accounts of your life and, and what you did. And yeah, i got to say, I'm a big fan. I admire your work. I just want to know, what denomination are you? I'm just asking because I want to be a part of whatever denomination you're a part of because that's important to me. Or let's say you go back to the time of Paul and you approach Paul. Maybe he's teaching or preaching and he gets done and you go up to him and you say, Paul, look, I, I'm a big fan. I've read all your work. I love your writings. I just got to ask you, what denomination are you? I got to know because I, I, I want to be a part of it. Whichever church you go to is the one I want to be a part of. What do you think their response would be? It's getting back to a time when we see the church unstained by division or what we sometimes call denominationalism because that's really what denominationalism means. It's division, right? getting back to the church, striving to be a part of that church, being a New Testament Christian in the New Testament church. That's what this is all about. 
You see, it was never our Lord's intent to have branded Christians. Where we wear these different brands. Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, Church of Christ, right? That can be a denominational brand as well. How about we just be Christians? How about that? How about we just strive to be New Testament Christians in the New Testament church? Do we have it all figured out? Nope, we don't. Have we cornered the market on every single bit of truth? No, we haven't. Are we striving to be the church that Jesus died for? That's really what this hinges on. Are we seeking to be what they were and do what they did? Because if so, that's enough. You see, it's really not as hard as we make it out to be. So many people are confused about what's going on in the religious world, and I can't help but, but sympathize with them because it's confusing. Why do you have so many different flavors out there? Because somewhere down the line, somebody wanted to do it their way and, and add something different, right? That, I mean, that's really the reason. We can get into the theological structure and all that, but that's really the reason, right? Keep it simple. What does it mean to be a New Testament Christian in the New Testament church? Let's seek to be who they were, do what they did, and folks, that's enough. Let's pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the church. We thank you for who you are, for what you mean to our lives. God, there is a world full of confused individuals. There's a world full of people who are lost. There's a world full of people who are seeking. May we help them find. May we share the truth in love. May we never, ever seek to be condescending or belittling or cruel. But realize that we were once plucked from the fires of hell. And there are so many people in our world who need to know the power of your blood and the hope of your salvation. May we seek to be the church that you died for in that we seek to be a movement. We seek to take the world by storm. Help us, God, to strive to be non-denominational, meaning that we know there's truth, we seek to live by it, we be who they were and do what they did. Thank you for loving us and sending your son. Thank you for his death and his resurrection. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Well, we're glad you're here. And if we can help you in some way tonight, we want to do that. If you'd like to study the Bible with someone, if you'd like prayers and support of this church family, we want you to know that we love you. And we want you to be right before you leave here tonight. Also, when you leave here tonight, remember that we are the church. When we gather here and when we scatter, let's go take our community by storm. Let's seek to make and grow disciples. Come now as we stand and as we sing.